the Ghost Goal Podcast. The title race remained at a standstill after yet another late comeback from Arsenal, this time from 2-0 down at home to relegation strugglers Bournemouth, to keep them five points clear at the top of the table. This all came after Manchester City inched past Newcastle with a 2-0 victory at home earlier on Saturday. But nothing could prepare us for Liverpool's rekindling when they stomped all over Manchester United on Sunday, winning 7-0 at Anfield to push themselves right back into the middle of the race for top four. I'm Alex, here with Javier. We got a special one, Javier. Big 400. Uh, we had uh, had some ideas for this, but uh, it, it looks like there's too much football news for us to uh, do anything different on this one. We can save... Oh, I forgot this one was like 400. Save, I thought we had that... We did we, have we, that We can plan, save the, the, the other stuff for, uh, you know, 500. You know, I feel like 400, not that big of a deal. 500, I don't know, even halfway to 1,000. <laughs> that's, that's a bigger so deal. We're just so gonna, 400, yeah, 400, we'll, we're just going to not... Keep it regular. Th- I mean, look at the rundown, man. There's too much to go over from the Premier League this weekend and, you know, uh, nice things to say about Chelsea, which after weeks of feeling awful about Chelsea, I'm here for the one episode uh, in it feels like in a long time we have the chance to talk uh, positively about Chelsea. So, uh, like I said, though, we've, we've got plenty of other stuff to discuss. I feel like we have to start with that 7-0 drubbing of Manchester United that Liverpool put on because ah, Alex, you know, they've had some up and down moments as you well. you like my top four Liverpool prediction now? I, I do. And uh, I still believe in Newcastle. I still feel like they're going to figure it out. They're just in a bit of a gold drought at the moment. But, they're, you know, they're pretty healthy and getting players back. We'll get to them, I guess, more in a minute. But this is a very big uh, sign of intent from Liverpool, especially to do it against a Manchester United side that I think both of us were picking to beat Liverpool. You know, I did it, say it that like if they beat if ages. they beat Wolves, I thought a draw was going to happen. Um, so I did give Liverpool some credit there. I didn't think there was going to be a blowout win like this, but there were a little bit of signs of it. Um, and maybe if we had analyzed it a little bit more, we could have thought about it because Manchester United. What signs well, were there? Manchester United because Manchester United looked good for most of the first half. They had the better chances up until the point. They yeah, went I just mean Manchester United had just played a you know a cup final the week before and probably the players you know partied a couple of days of the week and i think they had an FA cup game in the middle right yeah but then liverpool played a, a league game against and in that Wolves FA cup the game time, they needed so. like two last minute goals to like get the win over west ham right and so like they had to they had to come it, from behind it looked to beat west ham, it looked yeah. already a little bit shaky against west ham and you thought you know, once you see that game happen, you think maybe they could they could slip up against Liverpool. And I mean, Liverpool really turned it on. Gakpo finally, you know, getting a brace looked he was terrorizing. Nunez got some nice finishes off, some good headers. Salah looked like he was back to his old self. Um, and then even Bobby Firmino coming off the bench, and after just right after he's announcing that he's leaving at the end of the season, you know, who knows what if that's going to be his last goal for Liverpool, but. It seemed like the absolute perfect day for Liverpool and for United. A little bit exposed, I think. A little bit. <laughs> I, I was about to say, I don't. You want to say they look a little? Bit I don't want to like take too much into it in the sense that like because they had that cup final, because there was there's been a lot of fixtures piling up for them recently. This was a huge game, and 
Liverpool had to win it. You know, we were saying earlier there was that game that Liverpool played against um, Tottenham where they needed to win for top four. They won that one. They've gone on a little bit of a run. It was Newcastle. Uh, sorry, Newcastle. Newcastle, yeah, Newcastle. was the most recent one. Um, yeah. And then they went on, you know, but they've gone on a little bit of a run. Four wins out of the last five. That You know, that one draw with Crystal Palace, but five straight clean sheets, you know. And, and the biggest thing that I saw for Liverpool was even though you're saying that you know, t- uh, Manchester United had chances. I thought Virgil van Dijk, Konate, Trent, and Robertson, you know, that's probably their best back line. You know, Konate's the the, the starting yeah, defender yeah. They, for they France. Had injury right. problems with the line. And of those having players. that full back line in, it looked like Allison had more confidence. You know, Trent and Robertson were able to inter- interchange a lot more and have a lot more play because they had Konate and van Dijk behind them. And, you know, they weren't starting. Bahatic, I don't know how to say his name, but Bahatic. Uh, they started uh, yeah. uh, Henderson, Elliot, uh, Fabinho midfield, and Elliot looked really good. You know, he's I think also going to be a you know everyone thinks he's going to be a future starter for Liverpool, so I think he he might need more game time and and get more minutes in this team and grow into this team. I think he was the biggest X factor. Um, I didn't expect Elliot to come in and perform as well as he did in midfield, and. Just overall, I, I think the back line produced, you know, the goals. Like it made it so that the rest of the team could play free flowing attacking football. Liverpool counterattacked. I think the first three or four goals were all counterattacks from Liverpool. No, no, because the the first goal for Gakpo is uh, a little, uh, you know, interchange with Robertson out on the wing, and then Gakpo drifts out like really far wide, and Fred follows him out there, thinking that. Robertson's going to try and like loop the ball like around the outside for Gakpo. Instead, Robertson plays it through like the the inward channel, and Gakpo just runs around. Uh, but I don't know Fred, if you saw that wasn't it, it was a counterattack. Right Gakpo actually started the attack. Gakpo was actually not like a no. It was a, it was a direct like counterattack. What ha- if you watch the goal from the beginning? Gakpo actually starts the attack. He receives the ball like near his eighteen yard box. Runs you know a decent bit up the pitch. He gets the ball to Robertson and then makes the run all the way to the to the to you know to their eighteen basically and receives it back from Robertson. All that was just basically Gakpo and Robertson's play together, but basically on a counterattack um, because it, the the play started from the eighteen yard box with most of Manchester United in the box. I think it was off a corner kick. So, and then it was over and over and over and over and. But that's what they've right. been missing with a player like Gakpo, you know, being brought into the fold in January. You know we've said this with a lot of other teams that you know it's not just always going to magically click into place right away when a player signs it's going to take you know weeks and weeks of drilling it in training and then trying uh, different things in matches and there's going to be growing pains with that and starting to see those growing pains come to fruition with Liverpool I I do want to highlight though that this was the worst performance from Manchester United when they have like their full strongest team like we hadn't seen Varane and Lisandro Martinez as a center back pairing get abused like that. Like, do you you remember when Salah just dropped uh, Lisandro Martinez? Or what, am I missing mixing his name up? Lisandro, yeah, Lisandro right? Martinez. Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen anyone drop Martinez like that since he's come into the Premier League. When Salah set up Gakpo for Gakpo's second goal, I can't remember which of the seven it was, but. Salah gave him a little shimmy, gave him a little like dummy, faked a, a curler of a shot, and Martinez just crumpled to the ground, and then Ga- and Salah just passed it to the byline for Gakpo to get on the end of and score. I, it's it's jarring, and you know I feel like we haven't seen anything like that since the the Brentford loss really early in the season when they were down four nil at halftime, and 
uh, you know, never really got back into it. But if you see anything even that even closely re- resembles that from United in the future, then that can undo a lot of the good work that they've spent most of this season doing. It seems like they've been kind of going under the radar as like one of the very best teams in the league this season. And and as soon as people are checking on them to see like can they can they get past Liverpool? As soon as people right. check in to see if they can meet that hurdle and meet that challenge, they fall flat in their face on their faces in the the worst. You way said this was the so you know if they win this game, you were going to put them in the title challenge. And I was going to say yeah, if you, you know, win that Liverpool the, away game, the game the that not you up usually or shut fall up at, game, and that, they absolutely are shut they shut, shut they up. Shut up. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean for Manchester United. It still feels like they're competing on you know multiple fronts. They've already won a, a trophy this season. They still have the FA Cup. They're still in the Europa League, you know. And they can't. They Cup. can't. Like only Manchester right, they City can't let can this really stand in their way know, in completely that. crumble their season and, and let let it all fall apart. I think they're gonna. They're not going to. I think they're gonna, you know, see that this was a product of maybe, you know, tired minds, tired legs from the last week, and uh, hopefully they can get a reset here for them in the in the Europa League in midweek and. That get, that set things straight before the Premier League. You know, it's great that they have a game that they can do that. I think they're playing Real Betis. Yeah, on Thursday they'll play Betis, and that will be Betis at home in the first leg. So they'll have to go away in the next leg uh, the week after. Uh, yeah, so that'd be one to watch out for. And I don't think I wrote down who they're playing this weekend. I think they have Southampton at home this weekend. So. Somewhat of a chance to, to bounce back, even though Southampton are and a little Liverpool's second leg with Real Madrid isn't till the following week, but next week. You know, I'm sure if they can continue this form, they probably think they pre Bournemouth, and then after that they play Real Madrid. So if they can continue this, which I'm almost sure they can against Bournemouth, yeah, they 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 can. I know they're down five two, but they've done it before. You're talking about Bournemouth or Real Madrid? Liverpool. I'm saying Liverpool play Bournemouth no, next. For, for which game? You I'm, said, I'm saying Liverpool play, play play Bournemouth. I'm pretty sure they'll beat them. And then if yeah. they go when they go play against Real Madrid, they're down 5-2. Um, but And they're going to Real Madrid. You know, so never say never. I'm sure this game, they'll, they'll be saying to themselves, hey, we just beat Manchester United 7-0. So the confidence you can get from a game like that can really push you on. I know that they had the nine nil earlier. Key factor is obviously season, Anfield, but, though. Yeah, but this is—they feels like they're on a really good run right now. All right. Well, uh, moving a little bit further up the table, like I mentioned in the intro, Arsenal had a hell of a comeback against uh, the aforementioned Bournemouth on Saturday. They trailed two nil after a goal only ten seconds in from Philip Billing, and then a second from uh, Senesi, the Bournemouth centre back, in the fifty seventh minute. Uh, things weren't looking good, even though Arsenal were dominating the game, but they came roaring back with three goals in the last uh, you know, just over 30 minutes. And uh, Reese Nelson, the academy graduate who's had many loans uh, out to other clubs, he comes off the bench, he sets up the equalizer to Ben White, and he scores an absolute pearl of a winner uh, in the 97th minute to win the game for Arsenal. The atmosphere when that one, that, that one went in looked absolutely incredible like the place just like exploded like everything's went so crazy that i think the fa are like investigating like some crazy shit that went down with like a kid getting like separated from his family (laughs) or something (laughs) like the celebration was like so manic that the fa are looking into it i don't know but uh what what was that one like for you javier were were you ever uh were you ever you know losing hope in that one or were you always confident that you would come back and win it 
Oh, I was definitely losing hope. Um, when we went down 2-0, I, you know, I thought to myself, oh, man, you know, it might be the type of day we're just going to get a draw out of this. I still, I never thought we were going to lose the game, but it did feel like as soon as they got the 2-0, you know, we were going to have to make some changes. And Partey was at fault for the second goal, and he made up for it. Um, you know, he he lost his man, you know, completely let his man loose on that corner and scores on a corner a few minutes later. It seems like a lot of players, Gabriel's done that this season. Odegaard's been at fault and then has gone and scored. You know, there's players, when they make mistakes, they don't put their head down. They keep their head up and they keep fighting. Now, Alex, I have to pose you a question. So three months ago, uh, the World Cup was about to start and Arsenal were 15 or 14 games into the season and we were five points clear. At that point, Gabriel Jesus had been fit for the entire season, arguably the best player in the league other than Holland up till that point, um, and goes down injured during the World Cup. He's been hurt for three months straight, right? And Ketia now actually been hurt for about three weeks, hasn't really been playing much at all. Um, and we even got a Trossard injury in this game in like the 18th or 19th minute. So we haven't really had a striker fit um, other than, in, you know, in Ketia for a few weeks. But we're still five points clear now. And Gabriel Jesus is about to come back into the team. You know, our team is pretty much fully fit. Nelson's been hurt for a few months, just came back into the team. Incredible goal and assist. I mean, it, it feels like everything's going for us right now, Alex. It feels like... The stars are aligning, and maybe it's felt this way before for like top four and things like that, but there's just so many things that have been going on this season that I thought would bring a collapse to Arsenal or that would, you know, keep us off our... We, we, we had that one run of form, right? City, Everton, and Brentford, where we, you know, we dropped, we only got one point from that run of games. Uh, you know, it it felt like maybe that, some, that bad form could continue, but now four straight wins on the bounce. Um, we have... Three relatively easy fixtures coming up. Um, we do have you know Lisbon away and at home, but we have Fulham away, which is our next game, and they have no João Paulinha, who I think has been their best player this season. Mitrovic hasn't been fit, so their two best players are arguably not fit, um, and that's going to be you know I think an easier game than would normally be. Then we have Crystal Palace at home and Leeds at home. International break comes back. Gabriel Jesus should be back, I think, April 1st. Do you think we can do it, Alex? I mean, it, it feels like even now it, we, we don't have to win at the Etihad. We can get a draw or even lose that game, and it feels like we have enough to go the rest of the way because I know City are going to drop points. I mean, the, I don't think the question has been, can you do it? it, it it's You definitely can. No, I just can. think having like, that five-point gap, that right? Jesus went you down. You were saying it's, it's I, too I don't early. Think five points is enough No, I know, to be but the fact that like we this. lost our best player or one of our best players, you know, such a hugely influential player who was a revelation. Sure. He's coming back into the team now. Yeah, but again, we've seen with plenty of injured players who've been out for a long period of time before that that, does, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to come back. But and we be, have seen you know, Gabriel right Jesus as sharp as they were out for three or four months on City. Every time he'd come back, he'd just be amazing off the I don't the think that's true. I don't think, I don't think every time he came back from injury, from long-term injury, I don't think he was always amazing. Also, he had Aguero to contend with, so, you know, it wasn't always an easy uh, sort of like, here's your position back kind of deal. He'll get that here with Arsenal. But I'm just saying, like, well, I, I, there, there could I don't definitely know if be you another remember his, his like last that. season at Manchester City when they won the title. 
but he didn't play much for the first two-thirds of the season and then pretty much started every single game for the last one-third of the season into the run-in when they were going into the title race against Liverpool, and he was scoring hat-tricks and braces and yeah, getting and assists. Yeah, that's fine, and he's, he, he was playing in the best team in in the league by far and uh, during I think Arsenal that period. And maybe are that this year, so but, we'll Yeah, see. but here's the thing, Javier. This Arsenal team have not gone through the rigors and the pressure of the run-in to a, a title, like challenge that i mean that's this is an obviously great first step to overcome you know a game that we've you now done it against Arsenal villa able to just dominate doing it, doing and win it easily in this game? over overcame that uh hurdle it's a good sign that you guys are like jumping over these hurdles when they are presented but things just like the pressure just turns up that much more in those games at the end of the season like games don't really end three two as often in the in the end of season run-in it's usually like a nil-nil or it's 1-1 late and you need the you need a scrappy goal to get the 2-1 the and, and win or get just the first goal and win 1-0. And you guys are doing that in games like the Leicester away game. So uh, there are good signs. There are positive signs. I, would, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, fault you for getting your hopes up. But uh, Manchester City have run teams down with bigger leads than this before. So, well, I'm just saying, time's, everything, time's everything starting to tick for City. The There's 13 games left. You know, we've been saying it for, for months now that City are going to catch up to Arsenal. And they had the chance. They were level on points. I think they went first for a few days. But they haven't been able to maintain. They never, they never like, finished that push. I know they've been winning recently and, and still keeping up with Arsenal. But, you know, it feels like whenever they've had a chance to close the gap, they've haven't really taken advantage of it so well yeah let's get to them because uh, they had a home game to start the weekend at the Etihad against uh, Newcastle they won 2-0 with goals from Phil Foden and uh, Bernardo Silva and you know even though there's been I think a fair bit of maybe not criticism that might be a strong word but you know people are starting to ask questions about why isn't Holland scoring as much as he was in the first half of the season but I think this game and this performance from not only Holland but like the team as a whole kind of shows you how this Manchester City team is improving. You know, even with Holland still in the team but not scoring goals. You know, he set up that uh, that second goal with the little flick back to Bernardo Silva, who had like a great finish, kind of off balance to make it two nil. And also, we're starting to see Phil Foden like find the spaces that he wants to attack. Around, I mean, the the you mean we're just starting to see Holland Phil Foden play again because Pep mysteriously we're benched to see him. him play better. No, he's, he's what do you mean? He just didn't, he just didn't play goals. for three months. I don't know what Pep Guardiola was doing, but he just kept okay, him on the three bench. Months might be, three months might be strong. Three months, but like in the City team, you have to you have to earn. He your, dropped your, him before the World Cup when he was on unbelievable form, and then hasn't played him basically since then. He just started the last couple of games, but before that, he has not been starting. Which for me, I, I didn't understand what happened to Phil Foden. If it was a fitness issue, or well, I think it was mainly uh, Mares starting to play better. Grealish, I know he hasn't like been amazing, but he has scored some big goals in big games. Scored the winner at Chelsea. Scored the go-ahead goal against Manchester United at Old Trafford before they ended up losing that one. Uh, and I think he scored against you guys at the uh, Emirates as well. So you know there is competition for places in you know where Foden wants to play, but now he's fully earning it and him and Holland look like they have like a a nice little link again um so I'm still not out on City I, I think they might just uh they might not like step up into like the best form that we've seen them reach in past seasons but they're 
they're going to churn out results. Yeah, they're like going to push us like to the end. Against Newcastle. I, I, I think you know the title's probably going to be won with like low ninety points, like 91, 92 points, and I think it's going to be you know only a few more games that maybe two or three games that either Arsenal or City are going to drop points. So the way that these both of these teams are playing right now, clearly the two best teams in the league. I mean, it, I think it's 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 a great title race. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on because, again, we've still got a lot to get to. Uh, I guess we should mention, uh, just before Tottenham play the second leg of their Champions League uh, round of 16 match with uh, AC Milan on Wednesday, uh, over the weekend they did go to Wolves and suffer a late loss uh, with a, a great put-back goal by Adama Traore I want to say a deserved win minute. for Wolves because... Tottenham were awful. Tottenham were, were good in the first half and fell off a cliff completely in the second half. They hit the woodwork like twice in the first half. Yeah, the Son chance. And Wolves had done Son anything. Chances that the Son yeah. chance and then Pedro Porro hit the Oh, hit that the was a great free, free kick. kick. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of days before that, Tottenham also went to Sheffield United and they lost in the FA Cup. So it seems like the chances of, you know, them winning any trophy this season have gone completely out the window. Um, but, you know, I'm saying that the night before they host AC Milan with a 1-0 deficit. Who knows? They could overturn that. I actually do think they could still overturn that. Um, so maybe all's not lost, but you, you got to think it's a, a slim chances of them, you know, going on to win the Champions League. So what do you think? What do you think is good? Why, why are they so Jekyll and Hyde? I mean, I guess I feel like this is we've talked about it before. This was them last season. You know, they'd go on good runs get a bunch of clean sheets, wins, and then they'd suddenly have some horrible results against teams that we, we wouldn't understand. It feels like it's, Javier, it's, we know it's happening this again this season. Do you, I mean, do you just think Antonio Conte's out and he's not, you know, he does, he's not going to be there next season, that this is kind of just another scrap season for Tottenham? I mean, they're still in it for top four. Conte's good they enough for that. They are still in it for top four. That's... But here's the thing. I think even if they get top four, I don't know if Conte is going to be willing to sit through, you know, another year of this. I think if he hasn't realized by now that lads, it's Tottenham, then, you know, he's never going to realize it. We, we kept asking the question when they first hired him, like, this is kind of, is this the unstoppable force of Antonio Conte versus the immovable object of, you know, Tottenham's spursiness? And it seems like Tottenham's spursiness has kind of won out because even when they have big like wins, like the win against Manchester City like a month ago, they go right back and they, uh, I can't remember who they lost to, but they lost to Leicester. I think it was the 4-1 drubbing they took at Leicester right after that. They beat uh, Chelsea and West Ham in home London derbies, looking convincing and keeping clean sheets. And then they get knocked out of the FA Cup in the next midweek and lose at Wolves the following like Do you weekend. know if uh, if the so, assistant was on? I don't. I didn't. I don't remember if Conte. It was. It was his last game. Conte is going to be back in the dugout for Milan. All right. Tomorrow so no more of this. So no Conte future. there. So they win every game. Well, it was like we were talking about that as like a, a weird source of like positivity. But then they lost the Sheffield and Wolves games, and all of a sudden Stellini had his you know his unbeaten record as as manager, interim manager, just foiled completely. So got to throw that one out the window. I'm pretty sure it's just Spurs Spursiness and a bit of bad luck in terms of their finishing. I I I'm, I feel like an expert on the topic at the moment uh, as a Chelsea fan. Like sometimes even when you have a good team sheet and you create chances, some of your chances just are hitting the woodwork and players just can't keep that confidence up to the level that it needs to be for them to pull off finishes like the Son one against uh, Wolves that hit the bar. We've seen him score that plenty of times before. So um, I, I'm sure they'll they'll bounce back, but... 
it'll, it'll be something that keeps them from winning trophies anytime soon. But maybe they could still eke top four. I wouldn't be completely uh, out on that either uh, for them. All right, Javier. I waited 27 whole minutes to get, in, get on to my Chelsea bullshit. But we've actually had a good week, Javier. I'm not saying Chelsea are saved. Everything is all fine and dandy now, but... My dad. It's been a my good dad week has to be fixed Chelsea, Chelsea Alex. He went to London, back-to-back back wins, clean sheets. There. No, Alex, but you know what it really tell us, was, Alex? Tell, tell us you know what, what it really is. You. This could be, you know what it really is, Javier, Alex? This could be the fan correspondence of the week. For text, text, tell, the people, tell the people what your dad told you when he said he was going he to He said he was going to go fix Chelsea break. and that they were going to win both of the <laughs> games. And I called him delusional and... Uh, now he's, uh, he's, he's sitting there all smug saying, look, see, I went over there. My first Chelsea games at Stamford Bridge, both wins. So, hey, hard to argue with it. Potter out, a revel right? win. Hard to argue with it. <laughs> um, but no, Alex, you've been calling for it for, for weeks when things aren't going right. And, uh, you know, big teams have usually big squads so they can do this type of move. Um, even smaller teams have tried it and uh, usually works. The five at the back, Alex. Koulibaly in the middle, Fofana, and... Uh, it's a time-honored tradition at absolutely. Chelsea. Absolutely. Five at the back. You Finally, you had Chilwell and Reese James in these last couple of games back. I don't think Reese was back in the Premier League game, but he was back in the, the Champions Leeds League game. game. The Leeds game, he was he was uh, rested for this Champions League game. But just having your, your, your fullbacks back, it felt like you know your control of games is so much more when you have... Your your first starting fullbacks because the drop in 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 talent you know I think you had Kukurea at left center back which it seems like he's a lot better in that than Today, than, yeah. than a lot better in that position than he is at left back because his you know some of his defensive you know woes are covered up by having another extra defender well, and his 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 well, strengths no, or his like passing ability yeah def- and his attacking ability. his attacking ability I think is more shown when he can you know play with a little bit more freedom knowing that he has a couple defenders behind him. So I still don't think he's a very good attacking like fullback or He's great or on the ball. Defender. He rarely loses the he, ball. He's, he's, he passes good, he's he good, good on passing. the ball. But what he's best at is just vacating that space in the back 5 and like you said because there's more players there, you know, situated uh originally in in the defensive zone, he can push out of that back 3 like Rudiger used to. Um, kind of like a roaming sweeper, and, you know. Go hunt, go hunt down the ball. Yeah, he was excellent at that today in the Dortmund game. Chelsea came back from one uh, nil deficit in the away leg to win two nil at Stamford Bridge. Kukurea got man of the match. He was excellent all over the place defensively, but he could have given it to any number of players like Havertz or uh, Kovacic or uh, uh, Wesley Fofana was great again after scoring against Leeds on the weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it's a very smart move of Potter to switch back to that uh, five at the back and utilize. Obviously, Chihuahua having Kovacic back, I think eventually that was another big one. I think eventually it's it's maybe not. I think not this season because I think we do just need to right the ship and get the fans like back bought in on on Potter. So stick with the back five for the rest oh, of the season. You want to get the fans the bought, to do back, it. back in on Potter, then, Alex. Not yeah, Potter I, out I think anymore. he's gone a long. He's gone a long way to do that. I have never said Potter out, Javier. You can check the tape on that. But I think once you get to the summer, when you have a full, you know, preseason, uh, when you've hopefully bought players a little bit early so they can be uh, a part of the squad for longer before the new season starts, he can start drilling things a bit more with the four at the back. Because right now, the difference between Chelsea's ability to press higher up the field when playing with a back three 
or five if you want uh, and them playing with a back four it's night and day we we haven't been able or felt comfortable enough our forwards and midfield haven't felt comfortable enough to go and engage the ball high up without exposing our defenders at the back when we play with only four defenders and then Chilwell and, and Reese James feel like or seem to feel like they don't know when's the right time for them to bomb forward and attack from the the, the back four positions so that's something to work out in the summer for now stick to the back three try and get our form uh, and confidence back up and you know the feel-good factor going a bit more uh, going into next season but I, I have to say and I'd love to hear from your dad about this actually you, we need to get him to send us a uh, like a voice note about what his experience was and we can have that on the the next pod because that Champions League game today that felt like old Champions League nights at Stamford Bridge, like kind of Chelsea, like the same kind of vibe from when we came back against PSG and Demba Ba scored late in that game in 2015, or when we overturned the 3-1 deficit from the first leg against Napoli. Right, it was just calm the fans down, and the atmosphere. This was a Borussia everyone. Dortmund making team a, that I'm, was complete I'm, shit. I'm going to make a point. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was a Borussia Dortmund team that was on an 11-game win streak and hadn't lost in 2023. Right, but they lost their, absolute, they lost their best like player seven. three minutes in, and they were forced to play Gio uh, no. Reyna, who hadn't played no, no, no. in four weeks. Brandt, Brandt is not He'd their best player. He'd been their best player in this, during that run. Bellingham is their best player. Bellingham was their best player, and he looked like he shit super underwhelming legs, so. in that game. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I have we to give that, by yeah. the way, we did that. We should have won that Champions League uh, tie like four or five. One. Absolutely. You they guys got lucky played them the off one the park in they both scored. of the games. Yeah. So I'm not talking about the performances of here. I'm talking about like the atmosphere at the bridge. Like we haven't had a night like that this season or a game like that this season where the the fans just like willed every, the whole team to win and completely spooked the opposition. Maybe the AC Milan like home Champions League game in the, the group stage. But it's a good really, sign. We need some, I was, I was some say, things I watched like that, that to build today. more It really didn't feel Potter. that way. It felt like it was wasn't gonna. It was gonna be the usual Chelsea bullshit, missing chance after chance, hitting the woodwork a time and time and again, getting a goal disallowed. Raheem Sterling whiffing his shot, and then the ball, and then trying to dribble the player and messing that up, and then getting the ball ricocheted right up to his feet to so volley it. At <laughs> that that point, I was like, all right, and then. You know, uh, it, it felt like so that already was like, OK, this is maybe this is a little bit of luck finally going Chelsea's way because it's been bad luck after bad luck. Right. You could tell that that lifted the stadium. And then the Havertz penalty thing, you know, him hitting the penalty off the post. I was like, oh, my God, this is that Chelsea bullshit again. And then you guys get a retake penalty. So maybe, yeah, maybe Alex is the type of game where, it, you know, I don't know if it turns it all around for you guys, but the feel good factor's got to be back in the squad, got to be back in the stadium, got to be back to the fans. Fans attach themselves to managers and players through those managers and players delivering in big moments. Like Arsenal fans will remember Reese Nelson forever if you guys that go on to win the league just for that, forever that goal against Bournemouth. Exactly. Lifetime contract, he can stay as long as Jorginho he wants. Now. Forever. They'll remember Jorginho Jorginho and trust him in the league because of the the late goal against uh, Aston Villa, even though it wasn't technically his goal. It was still a hell of an effort that got you guys the win. Uh, Fans attach themselves to these these characters at the club through these big moments. And I'm just saying it's uh, we hadn't had one of those for a while under Potter. It's been a couple of months of some turgid football and. It's just nice to see things start to come together a little bit. So I'm happy. All right, Javier, what games uh, coming up this week? I put a whole bunch of, uh, you know, we've got these, like uh, the rest of these European games, Bayern Munich, PSG tomorrow. 
uh, Tottenham AC Milan I mentioned on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Sporting versus Arsenal on Thursday. I feel like that's, that's going to be a pretty good one. You guys might have some trouble if you rotate a lot for that, but we'll wait to see the lineup. Are you worried about that one at all or just... That yeah. one looks like it's got Reese Nelson's name on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he should be very confident after that, that yeah, performance. Yeah, Nelson and so. Ketia. I, I, don't, I don't... I feel like we'll rotate, but I don't know if we'll have too much trouble. Feels like our... Uh, maybe we'll get a Kiwi or sighting. Haven't seen him play yet. Well, Sporting gave Tottenham uh, very tough games in the Champions League. You know, they, they were in a tough group with Tottenham, Eintracht, and Marseille, and they, you know barely didn't get out of that group that was one of the tightest groups in the champions league so they're legitimate champions league opposition but i agree you should still beat them uh then we've some other games we mentioned uh man united real betis on thursday at 3 p.m uh and another another one that caught my eye was uh, roma real sociedad at uh, 2 45 p.m on thursday this weekend uh the only three games from the premier league that really caught my eye were this Fulham Arsenal game you mentioned, but I think he kind of put a damper on that with the uh, the news that Paulinha is going to be out from too many yellow cards accumulated. Um, what, what would be like your score prediction if you had to give one for that? I'll say 2-1 Arsenal. Maybe 3-1. 3-1. We've been, we've, been, we've, been, we've been scoring a lot of goals lately. I feel like it will still be tough. Uh, obviously, without Paulinha, I wouldn't predict a Fulham well, man win, Solomon but I think has they could still manage a draw. Solomon scored in straight games. Yeah, uh, we bought the crazy. wrong uh, Shakhtar Genetsk winger. But, uh, it looks like Solomon was the Solomon better, was the better winger from winger. Shakhtar yeah, that we should have bought. But uh, other than <laughs> him, I don't you know I don't think there's going to be too many threats for Fulham and Willie and revenge and game. Arsenal has been we have been super good away from home. Um, I remember not too long ago we, we we had some pretty good results at Craven Cottage. The last time I think we had a five one there, three nil there. Um, so you know I know that this is a different Fulham team, but. Uh, you know, there, there's been we, generally not a ground we've had too much trouble with. So it was a narrow two-one win uh, earlier in the season. We needed a pretty late uh, Gabriel Malagash goal. I remember it was he made a mistake for Mitrovic's goal, and then he ended up scoring the winner pretty late um, in you know I think eighty eighty something minute to to get a winner. So who knows? You know, uh, they they had Jopalinia in that game um, and Mitrovic healthy. So. I think it might be a little bit of an easier time. Yeah, I'll say I'm going to say either. I'll say actually I'll say two nil. I don't think they scored us. Two nil. I'll, I'll go two one. Right. But I think this is it's going to be tougher than you may think it uh, will be. I think you also have a relatively tough game here. You guys go to Leicester. We do. Uh, this is kind of uh, I'm not going to put it on the same status as you know that. Uh, it's the same concept as the you know the winner go home match. But it's I kind feel of like, like Leicester are suddenly feeling Chelsea the pressure again. Well, can I just say that, yes, Chelsea did, ju- did just win in the Premier League on Saturday and then Champions League overturning a, a deficit on Tuesday. But that could all just be like thrown completely out if, you know, we go to Leicester and we have a performance like Tottenham did when they lost 4-1 there. Like Leicester, they, they had like a slight uptick in results with wins at Villa and then at home against Tottenham, but then they've gone right back in the trash again. I have to give Madison you, I have to give you credit, Alex, because... You know who's been just a trash can in this run for for Leicester is Kalechi Hinacho. He's just been missing chance after chance <laughs> after chance. You know, I told you guys. You don't was, need to give me credit. I told you here. guys he you was. Just need to not fall. Right. For I told you guys he was gonna go happens. on a run, and then he just fucking. He's just been fucking missing the open nets, hitting the posts, like yeah. So. Uh, disappointing as usual for him, but uh, you know it's. It, it, 
I, I do think we, we get brought back down to earth a little bit here, but I think it's an entertaining game. I, I think it's probably going to be like a, either a 1-1 one, one that should deserve more goals, or if both teams are pretty good going forward, then 2-2. Two, two. So I'll settle on 2-2 two, two for that one. Um, and then the other one I had marked was this Bournemouth-Liverpool game. I actually think Bournemouth, because it's Saturday at 7.30 a.m., even though Liverpool have the full week off, those early kickoffs down at Bournemouth... You know, we just saw them give you guys a hell of a game at the Emirates. You don't think they can do something similar to Liverpool? Or is it going to be another uh, trouncing like Liverpool gave them earlier in the season? Well, that I don't know if you remember, but the last time Liverpool smacked the team, I think it was like 9-1 or 9-0. It was Southampton, right? It was, and No, it was Bournemouth earlier no, in no, the but, season. No, uh, no, before that one. Wasn't oh, okay. it Southampton, didn't they? Or was it City? It was Crystal Palace away, I think, last No, maybe season. it was City, but it was it was Manchester City beat, uh, I want to say Southampton, like 8-0 or something like that. But then they went and lost the reverse fixture 2-0. And I was like, holy shit. Like, Southampton, the team that Southampton a couple of years ago under um, Huzzanaudel, they lost like 8-0. They went and won the reverse fixture 2-0. I'm not saying that Bournemouth are going to do that, but you got to think that these players are going to be super motivated to, to put in a good result in front of their fans and show that that 9-0 was a fluke. So I, I, I agree with you, Alex. I don't think it's going to be an easy game for Liverpool. Um, but Liverpool are on form, and they just put seven past United. They're going to be so confident coming into this game. Uh, I, I think they get a 2-0. And even though Bournemouth are bottom now, uh, the Southampton I trust have won Liverpool's two out of their last three right, games. Defense, defense right now. They're they're tied they're tied on points with Southampton with twenty one, and both of them are only you know they're only a point off of safety. Leeds are in seventeenth at twenty two points, and Everton are on twenty two points as well, sitting in that Suddenly last relegation Suddenly, teams like spot. Palace and Wolves and Forest that we thought were kind of out of it, out of the relegation fight, now they're suddenly only you know five points off the drop, and they're all looking over their shoulder now because. The pressure's on. Palace down is now all in relegation trouble. We were we were saying Palace and and you know Nottingham Forest and Leicester when they made those runs and got a few wins. Well, now teams like Everton have picked up some points. Southampton, Bournemouth, all of them have picked up you know four to six points within the last few game weeks, and it's made the bottom of the table so congested. So it's going to be crazy. Even more running. congested than it yeah, was. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy run now because now it's almost like you can't even tell who's going to get relegated. I know we think Southampton and Bournemouth are still getting relegated, but it it feels like those teams could still get out of it if they go on a run here because of how badly the other teams around them have been playing and how they've been catching up. So Crystal Palace, I told you a, a few weeks ago, man, I've been worried about them, but they've. I, they've I still been think awful. they're going to be okay. All right. Yeah, they have they have the city game, and then I think they'll they'll turn it around. They'll lose to City, and uh, you know, Zaha just came back from injury, so they'll, they'll 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 pick up their form again soon. All right, Javier, that's enough for this week. We're gonna do our best to make it uh, work next week, but uh, I am gonna be back in the UK uh, for a uh, family emergency, so uh, we'll try and schedule that and get that out early to midweek uh, next week after all of these games have been played and maybe even after the the other champions league games have been played javier thanks again for jumping on this one late at night after work i always appreciate it uh, if you want to follow javier on twitter you can follow him at javier rev 9 you can follow me on twitter and instagram at asmos92 and you can follow the podcast socials at ghost gold pod enjoy the games this weekend and until next time See you.